and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. My name is Peggy Plort. I'm the host of this weekly broadcast put on by Sped Homeschool as well as the founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool. We at Sped Homeschool empower families to home educate children with learning challenges and I encourage you to check out our website at spedhomeschool.com to learn more about the resources and support we offer families. Some of the best resources we have on our website are the services offered by our partners who help fund our work like Bookshark who is sponsoring this broadcast. You'll hear more about the products that they offer families of struggling learners about halfway through our show. But if you're interested in checking them out ahead of time, you can just head over to bookshark.com. Each month, our broadcast uh, and blogs focus on a central topic. And this month, we're focusing on homeschooling at your child's pace, and maybe a little bit at your own pace too. Um, and specifically tonight, we're talking about creating a unique homeschooling, homeschool learning oasis um, with some very, very special guests. And I usually say I have very special guests, but tonight I have really special guests because these ladies are my best buds. I love, love, love them. And I can't wait for you to, to meet them again because they've been on this show before, but they work behind the scenes a lot with Sped Homeschool. And um, I always tell people, these are the teachers that you need to talk to because I'm an encourager, but definitely not a teacher. So, um, so tonight we have Amy Vickery and Don Spence with us, and um, I'm going to have them share the kind of as we get started a little bit of their homeschooling background, so you can get to know them, and um, and your professional background too, ladies. Um, but um, Don's been working with me since before Sped Homeschool was started. <laughs> we actually worked with at the Texas Homeschool Coalition together, and then Amy's been working with Sped Homeschool almost since the very beginning, haven't? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, and Sped Homeschool has been around since 2017, if you didn't know that. Um, we, we actually are over four years old now. It's amazing. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we, um, we just love what we do and we love encouraging you as parents. And um, tonight, I really think you're going to get a lot out of this, this broadcast because we're going to talk about an oasis. And as we were looking up that word, um, it, it really plays into just as a homeschool family with a struggling child, what we need to create in our homes. So super, super excited. So who wants to get started in uh, introducing yourself? You guys going to fight over it? <laughs> <laughs> you go first, baby. All right. All right. So um, I've been, I started teaching 19 years ago. Um, and I started teaching early childhood and just kind of worked my way through and went into special ed. And um, along the way, just kind of um, stopped working in the public schools and went more private and um, started homeschooling my kids about five years ago. Um, along the way, I've picked up some extra degrees, a couple of masters in um, curriculum instruction and also special education. And so now the last four years on top of homeschooling my children who are currently 10 and five and the last four years tutoring online, doing classes and tutoring online. Um, I now also do educational testing for learning disabilities. And so um, I get the opportunity now to work in person with families um, here locally where I am. Um, in South Central Texas. And so that's been a really exciting opportunity to get to get hands-on with families as well as, you know, working with families around the United States and even in Puerto Rico and other places um, over the last five years. So um, that's been fun. I work with, you know, my my youngest is kindergarten this year all the way through. I've got a senior this year that I'm working with um, online virtually and I've graduated two kiddos out of my program. Um, as homeschoolers. So it's really exciting. And um, have been with Sped Homeschool, like Peggy said, since the beginning. And it's been a wonderful opportunity for me to grow and learn and um, reach out to other families and connect with other families. And um, it's been my my home base all this time. Well, we love that. So thanks, Amy. Uh, Okay, Don, it's your turn. (laughs) Okay. I taught uh, public school for about 10 years um, and had my son and he was um, about one and found out we were pregnant with twin daughters. And so we knew our family was going to (laughs) change 
<laughs> and uh, we didn't realize how much it was going to change that when our daughters were born, um, they went to NICU and had some special things. And so going back to work for me was not an option. Mm. Um, so I got to be home with my kids and kind of just doing the thing that, you know, moms like to do. We teach our kids lots of things, how to brush their teeth and do just the, the normal everyday things. And um, so when it time, came time for my kids to do formal education, which I say formal because we educate from the time they're born. Um, my son went to public school for a couple of years and didn't have a good experience. And so we pulled him back out. Mm. And so I've been homeschooling my kids for nine years. So that's a lot of 10, 10 plus nine years, 19 years about. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I got my, I first went to school and got my teaching certificate just in regular ed. And then I felt this draw to get special ed. And then I taught in um, the special ed PPCD program. And then I taught in the ABLE program where I taught mostly kids with autism. And then um, that's when I came home with my daughters. And I have two daughters. And one has special needs and learning disabilities. And my other one has some, uh, some learning differences that she great but um so through them and then you know just learning how to take what all the life lessons and what I've taught in the past I could take it and use it with my kids and then I have helped other people um just set up things in their home how to how to accommodate how to read an IEP and then use that in their home when they switch over to homeschooling um I remember um, Peggy coming to, I think, I think this was the year before where I started working with you, coming to the THSE booth, and you have these couches set up, and I came in, and I was just crying. I'm like, I don't think I could do this, and you're, you know, and it's so funny how, like, uh, you were very empowering and encouraging, and now here we are these many years later, and right. um, just, like, where my daughter has blossomed and what she's doing, and so um, you never know where life's going to lead you. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yes. I do remember that when we met and Don just, she was going to give up and I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> so yes, I am the encourager here. <laughs> and um, these ladies have so much wisdom and teaching to share. And um, so Yes, so they're going to share a bit tonight, but I'm also going to share with you um, af- as we go through this broadcast how you can connect with them on a regular basis and and dive in to help with the mentoring help that they provide as well as um, an, an online webinar that they take all your, your questions and they answer them kind of like a, a group coaching session they do once a month as well. So um, just something to... To, to dive into if, if you feel like you're, you need some extra help or you're struggling. Um, these ladies are, they know what they're talking about. As, as you've heard, they have experience in the homes, in the home homeschooling with special needs learners, as well as um, just years of training as well. So um, take advantage of that. So um, yeah, well, thanks ladies for, for that introduction and um, for letting everybody kind of get to know who you are. So tonight we're going to talk about creating a unique homeschool oasis. And I, I want to read what an oasis, the definition of an oasis is, because it really points to what as, as parents, when we have struggling learners, why it's so important we create this um, environment. And so here's, here's the definition. It says a small area in a desert that has a supply of water and is able to support vegetation. An oasis forms when groundwater lies close enough to the surface to form a spring or to be reached by wells. And I thought, how perfect is that? That we we are our kids that struggle, it's almost like they're in this desert of learning, that they they can't get what they need. And to be able to form that that place where they are watered and where growth can happen. But, but again, it happens uniquely for every homeschooling family. And so, so we're gonna talk about 
some different avenues. I'm going to just throw these out to these ladies, um, these these different things, and and have them respond with um, some different ways that your homeschool might embrace a unique perspective or take um, that'll fit you as a teacher as well as your student as a learner. So um, you ready to dive in? Sure. <laughs> okay. And I also want our viewers to know that if you're watching us with us live, and I see we have some, some of you on, um, feel free to just pop in with your own questions and comments. And we love to incorporate that in our discussion. So um, I think the first thing is, is this haven of acceptance. Um, a lot of our kids are really down on themselves or um, maybe we as parents are really down on ourselves. Um, how are some ways that we can um, create an oasis of acceptance within our homeschool environment? So one of the things I encourage parents to do is to kind of create, um, kind of backtrack a little bit and create an environment where your child starts feeling success mm. um, at the beginning, you know, just kind of going with that little bit lower level, starting with them where they're comfortable, where they're independent, and then start yep. moving forward because then they have that, that momentum of, Hey, I'm successful. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, um, it's, it creates that positive, um, learning environment that you can then and start working on that love of learning, incorporating mm -hmm. interest, incorporating, um, things that your child is really interested in and just building from there because it's just such a wonderful, wonderful, um, <clears throat> way of, just getting them to that next level, getting them to that, that ability to, to take those chances and put themselves out there. And mm -hmm. because a lot of times mm -hmm. our kids are afraid to be wrong because they've been told that they're wrong so many times. Mm -hmm. And so by creating, by starting at where they're independently learning and starting uh -huh. to build uh -huh. forward, then, you know, they, they kind of gain that confidence of, oh, mm -hmm. I can do this. I, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong all the time. I know some things. Right. right. So you're, you're like feeding, you're, you're watering what's already growing and right. you're getting those shoots that have started to, to go further versus trying to water things that are really struggling, um, which I know we do, but like over, you know, <laughs> over fertilizing and watering those things that are really growing just so that the child can see, hey, look at this. Um, I can learn. And so that's great advice, Amy. I love that. You got anything to add to that, Dawn? Um, another definition that I looked up when I was looking at Oasis today is a place of safety or sanctuary. And mm. um, going off kind of what Amy had said, I remember doing this in the public school classroom with my kids with autism. And then with my daughter, it's called errorless learning, where you give them no opportunities to be wrong for a while to re-encourage them, like if it's spelling their name, you make it like, you know, letter to letter. So there's no way that they can do anything wrong in the beginning to gain that confidence if they've had a hard time and not realizing, you know, sometimes the kids want to give up because everything's too hard. And if it's too hard, then you're going to have, might have behaviors. Mm -hmm. So if you make it so errorless that they just look at it and go, oh, wait, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And then start changing the activity and making it less airless and giving them more opportunities to learn. I have found that that works great. And like um, mimicking and having, you know, if you're going to do something new, do it with them first. You, you know, right. and, and even show them where you make mistakes. I mean, uh -huh. um, I have dyscalculia, so my math skills have come a long way, but I still, I'm teaching my son algebra and I can tell you. I'm like, wait, wait, what, what? And I'm like getting the book out and I might make mistakes. And um, so letting your kids see that you make mistakes is, mm -hmm. is a valuable tool too, because then that's a safety place because you make mistakes, we all make mistakes. Right. But it's a place where those mistakes are not going to be, you know, pounced on 
and right. point it out and we just kind of roll through them together and and that's just the way it is. So so those are some some great ideas. I know Lisa is joining us and she said, hello, ladies, jumping in. Love this channel. And Creative Minds Homeschooling says, Amy has given me wonderful advice. So I know she is um, on your guys' mentoring group. So uh, that that's awesome. And so, so yeah, we're, we're talking about creating a, a unique homeschool learning oasis. And um, one thing I wanted to talk about was... Um, you know, comparisons, because mm-hmm. comparisons can even happen in our home. And I know you have a very unique situation, Don, with having twin girls and them having very different learning struggles. Um, and how do you work so that they aren't comparing themselves to each other? And Amy, you may be able to share some insight on this, um, even with your own boys or the students that you tutor that may, you may have gone through this. So I love your insight on how you help create this environment of acceptance when they see they're different. Right. And I think that's the part where um, sometimes it's hard when they start noticing and they start verbalizing, well, why can't I be like, so, you know, like my mm-hmm. sister. Yeah. Cause you're twins, you're, you know, men are very paternal, but at the same point, they want to just, you know, to have their thing. Um, one thing that I've done since, since the very beginning is I do group work with my kids. We do Bible and science and social studies and all that, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I have from the very beginning differentiated their learning. So whatever my son is doing as a ninth grader, maybe doing different than what his sister is and even my other daughter. And I've just made that part of our everyday. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're doing geography, Becca's going to do geography. She's just going to do it differently. And um, my other two are going to do it differently. And so it's like, this is just our work. And we just make it very normal. And you don't even have to really, you know, call it out. But I think when they understand and they can accept each other, that's going to build acceptance from other people. Um, because then they like, okay, well, I'm different and that's okay. And that's the beauty of homeschooling is that you – you know, you don't know, always know what your peers do, because even when we go to co-op, everybody is learning at their own pace. Right. Um, yeah. So just developing that thing that you maybe, I don't really call attention to it as much anymore. I remember in the beginning, you know, I wanted my girls to do calendar time because they run pre-K and blah, blah, blah. And Elizabeth was having a great time with it. And Elizabeth was, and Becca was screaming her head off. And I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> if I'm like, just take Lizzie over here, do her little thing and let Becca do her thing. And that's a okay. Because it's mm. like, if you try to force something that's not natural and that's not working, right. That's why you want to give up. And so mm. just don't make it harder, just work smarter and try to figure out what each kid needs. And that does help. That's a great perspective. Yeah. Cause we, as moms can do the same thing too. It isn't just the kids that do it. Right. We get kind of sucked into that whole process. It's this mentality that's in our society that just says we need to compare and mm-hmm. we have to fight against that. So thanks for bringing that up too. So um, what do you have, Amy? So one of the things that's been fun is my kids are five years apart, but because my oldest has some struggles and some difficulties, he learns in a different way than my youngest does. And it's sometimes it's my youngest teaching my oldest the skill. Uh, and in our family, that's acceptable because mm-hmm. we talk about that we all have strengths and weaknesses that are different and we complement each point. other and we work together. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was my, my youngest started whistling first and he taught my oldest to whistle. <laughs> my, <laughs> and there's been several things like that that have happened that it's just been like, you know, just little things. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just... We talk about that everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses and that that's okay. You know, there's not, no, not everyone's going to be good at everything. And, um, right. and so, yeah. Yeah. I love that. So um, we had a viewer ask a question kind of back to what you guys were talking about before on um, the, the topic of, you know, helping them be super successful at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lisa asked, she goes, um, is it odd to go back? to an eighth 
for an eighth grader to third grade math and writing. That's where I feel he would have both confidence at first. So I can talk to that because that's what I do is I, I work with kids who are struggling a lot of times with writing and, and math and I take them back. Um, third grade math would be probably multiplication facts. And I find a lot of middle schoolers that are struggling. That is where I have to take them back to. Um, there are programs and curriculum that you can choose that is not grade level specific. It's level specific based off of skill. Um, oh, yes. Math UC has both their regular program and an accelerated program, both that has it. There's um, there and there's other programs too. Hmm. Um, but, you know, going with something like that, so it doesn't say third grade all over it. Right. Um, it yes. looks mm-hmm. like just regular math curriculum would be my recommendation, you know, something that doesn't look babyish. Um, but Matthew C is one that I do recommend in right. that case because it it's black and white. It doesn't look like um, like a young curriculum, but you can use those blocks and you make it hands-on, make it visual for the kids. That mm-hmm. is really, mm-hmm. um, really, um, really, um, I lost my train of thought. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can't read your mind. She'll come back to that later. <laughs> Lisa had a continuation of that that question too, and she said, "I'm um, basically I'm asking to see if eventually they, and say in a co-op situation with peers, he won't be on the same math or reading level. Should I be teaching third and eighth? I mean, what what are your thoughts on that?" Um, I think it depends on the co-op and the situation. Right. I know different states have different co-ops. Some co-ops are just um, more the um, like, like the extracurricular, extracurricular type stuff. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Or science mm-hmm. and social studies. Um, is there an option for him not to do co-op at math so he doesn't feel like he's standing out, or let him do right. the eighth grade co-op math with supports with a calculator or whatever? in the co-op and then teach work with him on the third grade level at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen parents do that too. Don, do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, I think it depends. It depends on the makeup. Um, we are in a great co-op that we have a specialized coordinator this year for the first time. And we basically work with the parents and work with the teachers and help them get on um to make sure they have the supports they need. That may be something that your co-op may provide. Um, the other thing is, I, um, you know, math and writing is one of those things that has building foundations. And if you miss the foundations, um, like my son went to public school for two years and there was a lot of behaviors in the classroom, not his behavior specifically, but other children. So like when they're having to move out of the classroom because on throwing chairs, I mean, there was weeks where he got no, you know, he had no formal education because we were just learning to, to survive. Um, so I, I brought him back home and I went from the beginning and I caught him up because to me, especially with math, um, I think the beauty of homeschooling is we, we homeschool to mastery. So we want to make sure that they have those foundational skills before we move on to the next level because you're not going to be able to, you know, you've got to get those foundational skills. So if you need to go back and then when you go back and he starts doing really great, then you can move a little mm-hmm. forward. And then um, once you have those foundations there, it'll make it easier. And with writing, I mean, there's so many ways to make that on a lower level that won't appear that way. Like mm-hmm. having them write about something that they really like and then just work with that. I mean, there's some foundational things that would be easier with that, but I, I would say third, third through eighth is a big, a big area. But I, I agree with Amy; it's probably some of those foundational things like multiplication and division that affects mm-hmm. the kids when they get older. Yeah, yeah. See, see, they they know what these kids learn at different levels. <laughs> I couldn't tell you anything. <laughs> I just love this. <laughs> so. Um, Lisa's follow-up was there, there are other people judging or making fun and, you know. I think, I think there was one more comment above that. Oh, oh, she said, yeah, okay, I see. I personally don't mind levels and I know that we 
our home with him and he doesn't have peers making fun of him. We don't mind if his grade level is an issue unless there, there are people making fun of him. Exactly. And so I think what, like what Don and Amy are telling you is try not to pick co-op court classes that would really reflect on those weaknesses. Instead, things that he can do at peer level, maybe with some assistance um, or ones that wouldn't require any um, helps at all because they don't require those types of skills. Um, yeah. yeah, so she said, yes, it's foundational holes and gaps. Thank you. And we, we talked about gaps last week too, and um, I want you to be encouraged to listen into that conversation too. And when you're filling in holes and gaps, there's nothing wrong with focusing on those holes and gaps and then going quicker through things that he's solid on. Yeah. And right. so you might go through more than one level of curriculum in a year because you're just focusing on those areas that are, are needed. Mm-hmm. Or you might find games or things that just touch on those holes and gaps. So that makes that part a little bit oh, easier yeah. to to, to do and um, homeschooling, game schooling is huge. There's a great big Facebook page that you can go on there and like, like t- time telling there, they know all these games and resources that I've never heard of that, you know, make, make, make filling those gaps and holes more fun than just like, Oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Because a lot of times when the kids have the holes and gaps, it's because they're, you know, they're struggling. So like, what do we do in public school? We would give them five more worksheets of the same thing. And that's the definition (laughs) of insanity. That's not going to work. So finding a different way to teach the same skill that will meet their need. Yeah, that's great. Um, And that probably answers this, this question by Leanne. She said, how can I apply errorless learning to learning new math skills? Um. So like if you were doing multiplication, you would actually give them a card that says three times four equals 12 and they would just tell it back to you. Um, or, you know, um, I'm trying to think of another example of where, you know, you just have every, you have all the blocks out three plus four and have the answer over there so they can see the mechanism. Because basically the biggest thing that I think with math is, is that it's so abstract that we need to make it concrete for our learners. And so they need to see what three plus four is because, I mean, just throwing seven blocks at somebody doesn't mean anything if they don't understand the whole meaning of behind what three plus four is. Um, So just making it very airless to the point where they are like, oh, I see, that's easy. Mm -hmm. Um, Fractions would be another way that you could do airless learning, like, um, getting fractured pieces and building them together and letting them see what they look like. Um, I don't know if you have any more ideas, Amy. I, I use a lot of this in, in teaching my math stuff that, that I do with my students. So um, yeah, there it's, it's a lot of what you're talking about, those games, um, helping them make connections. So I have games that like when we're working on just number sense of what does one mean, it's, it's got the number, it's got the word, it's got it in the 10 frame and it's got it in a tally marks. And so that way they're oh, connecting wow. those, mm-hmm. those images together. Um, and so games like that, that um, file folder games, things like that, that um, are really great for helping them make those connections. Because one of the issues mm-hmm. that um, our special needs kids tend to have is generalizing. They know right. what the number yeah. one means, but then they're, they look at it in the word form and they've got no clue or they see it, you know, in a picture form and they've got no clue, you know, and that's what, that's the kids that are counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Instead of saying, Oh, that's five, six, seven, eight. Right. So being able to see those numbers and those images in their head is going to be really helpful. And those, um, those skills are really important. Um, and so the, those errorless learning skills from the very beginning, um, using the blocks, using the, um, like Don said, um, dice are another way to help um, mm-hmm. that can be used. Mm-hmm. They call them number cubes in math. So we don't, we're not gambling okay. in math. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so <That's> great. <laughs> but um, just, and just, you know, and when they start to do something that, that you're, that's not the skill you're working on, um, then 
you know, stop them and say, hey, let's look at it another way and do it with them. Walk them through it Mm -hmm. as many times as you need to walk them through it. Walk them through it because every time you walk them through it, um, you know, that's worth the problems alongside them. So one of the things I do when my students are first learning is they'll start working on a problem. Well, I start, I give them a head start and then I start working on it too, because I want them to check periodically with what I'm doing and what they're doing and make sure they're on Mm -hmm. track. Mm -hmm. Um, I also use different colored um, inks when I'm working problems so they can see each step. And um, I encourage them to. And then also um, another great trick is using um, either turning this lined paper sideways so your columns are lined up or using graph paper. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are other ways that help with um, the errorless learning as you're getting into older grades because a lot of the errors have to do with lining up the numbers. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing I would do is um, I do highlighters for like when I'm teaching a new school and it's a multi-step. So the first step's in, in pink and the second step is in yellow so that they have a visual to see exactly what step. Oh, okay. So this is first, this is second, especially when you're doing like um, double digits of multiplication, that's a whole lot of mess right there on that piece of paper. If you're like, well, if, especially if you're dyslexic and you're like, okay, directions are not my friend. So that's what, that's what we did a lot of that or, you know, just creating things um, that work with your student. And then sometimes the kids cannot stand highlighters. So then we use graph paper, we use whatever. Um, a lot of times when I'm doing a new skill, I do the first two, three problems with them and I'm talking them through it the whole time I'm doing it. So I'm doing this, then I'm doing this. Do you see where I got That's that great. answer? Verbalize so, yes. yeah. And then I'm like, okay, so what did you see me doing? And, and so that, mm. you know, so that, that concretes it to them. And then I know it works really great with my daughter by the like, second day. She's like, oh, I got this. And she's off with her math work <laughs> because you take the time to invest in the beginning of, of, of the work yes. and then you can let them go. Right. I also use, you know, and you were talking about multiplication. I will like change the problems so that I'm using very simple multiplication when we're learning the steps. So they're not having to worry about remembering math oh, facts yeah. that are that are harder mm-hmm. for them to remember and the steps. And the, so right. I use, yes. you know, twos, threes, fives when we're when we're learning steps so that oh, they can focus awesome. on the steps right. and then we can slowly, gradually start incorporating a little bit harder math problems, a little bit Mm -hmm. higher numbers, Mm -hmm. those more challenging um, math facts. So that's another way of building errorless learning into it. So they're not having to think about, oh, what is eight times seven? Because that's like the one that nobody remembers, you know? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. So yeah, Leanne said, yes, my 10-year-old daughter thinks she understands large numbers up to a million, but she actually can't write them or read them correctly. Um, and then she said, these tips are so helpful. Thank you so much. And we are already halfway through. So um, <laughs> I promise you, these ladies have more information that can fill hours. So um, I really want to encourage you. Um, I'm going to quick put up before we we take our break. But um, they do a, um, a monthly webinar that you can take part in. If you go to empoweredhomeschool.org, which is the, the sister website for SPED Homeschool. That's where you'll find all of our courses and webinars. And so Don and Amy have a monthly um, Sunday night. Actually, this is why we did it this time because nobody signed up um, for their webinar this month. And I really want you to know how valuable these ladies are and why you should be signing up for these webinars to, um, to ask them your homeschooling questions on a consistent basis. Um, but you can sign up um, for their upcoming webinars on there, as well as their mentoring group that they have a um, uh, a coaching group on there as well. So, um, all right, ladies. So I'm going to give you a little break, and we're going to hear from our sponsor, Bookshark, and then we'll be back. And Kara Sue, I will get we will be getting to your question next because you were asking about creating an environment within our home that um, will help our children thrive and learn, and we definitely want to to visit that next. So. All right, so here we go. I'm going to pop these ladies off, and um, we are going to bring up the Bookshark banner, and thank you for your patience with me. (laughs) So um, 
Bookshark was the best thing I've done for myself and my kids. That's what Dana said. Tracy says, I definitely regret not starting Bookshark sooner. It's been a great fit for our family. Well, we at homeschool, fed, fed homeschool agree. We've gotten lots of comments from, from parents who love Bookshark too. So podcast listener, broadcast listener, how can you jump into this Bookshark bandwagon? Well, start by heading to bookshark.com. On the Bookshark website, you can request a free catalog, download samples, and see scope and sequence charts of what's taught at each level. There is also a blog at bookshark.com slash blog with hundreds of articles. The Bookshark site also has so much free information about how to teach your kids at home, whether you use Bookshark or not. Another example is they have a free unit study and you can try out the Bookshark way of literature-based learning at bookshark.com slash freebies. And this year's unit study is about volcanoes. So let me share just a couple more quotes with you here. Jill says, we switched to Bookshark Language Arts this year. This was the best decision ever. We love how everything ties together. And I can't tell you how grateful I am for Bookshark. We are looking forward to adding more subjects next year. And Catherine says, pulling my kids out of public school and getting Bookshark's full program saved our sanity. It was one of the best parenting decisions we have made. We're so much happier now versus the kids staring lifelessly at screens all day. The open and go component and high quality literature for science, history, and language art is amazing. So see if Bookshark is a best fit for your family like these moms and visit bookshark.com to get that free catalog and then also add slash freebies to get the free unit study. So thank you, Bookshark, for um, again sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. And I am going to bring these ladies back up on the screen here. And um, it looks like we've gotten a couple comments since we've um, we've been gone. Um, Creative Minds Homeschooling says, can the next webinar not be at six o'clock? Hmm. Well, why don't you tell us what some what are some times if we've got some people on here? Why don't you give us some feedback? Because we've been kind of wondering why we mm -hmm. haven't had signups. So if there is a better time or day of the week, I know these ladies are busy too. So we can try our best to um, to see that and we can easily change that. So yes, um, we were just kind of shooting in the dark. So so give us some give us some feedback. We'd love that. Um, and then will there be a link to sign up for both ladies webinar? I'd love to join. Um, yes, I can put that in the YouTube description. The, the link for the website is already in the YouTube description. And if you go on that homepage and down there, they'll be there. But um, let's, um, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that you get um, a unique one too, or we'll, we'll respond on, on there later with that information. So, all right. So, um, let me see here. I don't know what I'm hearing. <laughs> it's one of you. Um, so, we were going to get back to um, Karasu the Dreamer had asked about the physical environment being important, mm -hmm. too. And I know that was something else that I wanted to touch on because... There's a lot of things about our environment that can either make it very difficult for a child to learn or very helpful. Um, so what do you guys have to share? So um, the, our physical environment here, you know, I've, I've tried several things with my boys. When we first started, I got yeah. them the, the guy in ball chairs and that really helped Hello. my oldest and getting to focus and because he, he just, he couldn't sit for more mm -hmm. than about three minutes. And so that really helped him because he could wiggle around. Um, now we've kind of, you know, graduated where sometimes he'll sit in his room. Sometimes it's on the couch. Sometimes it's at his desk. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's at the dining room table. It just kind of varies. Um, and being able to have that flexible seating seems to be important to him depending on the day. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've schooled in the car, we've schooled in the, you know, <laughs> at, at doctor's appointments. And so, you know, just, you know, you have to kind of find what works for you and, and, and mm -hmm. it may vary from day to day. Um, right. We, you know, different curriculums that we've tried, you know, some have been successful, yeah, some have yeah, not. Yeah. I find that with, um with my oldest, he likes to be independent. So I have to look for things that, will kind of teach him in a way that he learns independently. Um, whereas my youngest wants to be um, 
wants me to do the teaching for him. And he's, you know, mm. he's still young. So, you know, that he's still kind of dependent on me. And so, <clears throat> and so it's, you know, it's just finding that balance of being able to balance how they like to learn. Um, time of day sometimes was important um, mm. as far as, you know, working in the morning versus in the evening. I've got one that would rather get it done before breakfast than the other one. Well, you know, he'll get to around to us the time after lunch. So... <laughs> That's some really good input. So, so not only is it just a change in the curriculum, but it's a change in location, um, orientation, as well as time of day, and those are all right. things to think about. So, so what what do you have to add, Don, to that as far as creating an environment that would help a child who struggles to to learn better? Um. So uh, I. Rem- biggest thing that I remember from being in the public classroom is the less distraction, like having your area organized. Um, Mm. We actually have a classroom in our house just because my kids, especially my daughter needs to see when I'm in this room, it's learning time. And when we're not in this room, then, then it's, you know, it's other time. Like she even calls me teacher in the classroom and mom in the house. So for her, that is, yeah, it's kind of funny it's kind of important for her to see that difference. Um, Mm. You know, things like noises, things like temperature, all of those things, um, you know, can be a huge part or letting them have a fidget while you're, while you're reading or, you know, when you're reading about something, adding in, um, having an environment where you can have a video playing so that uh, you can, you know, reinforce what you're learning so like we have a tv because i show a lot of videos so if you think that that's something you're going to do um so just think about like whole your whole picture but yes environment really does matter and my daughter by the afternoon she's done she's tired she's Mm. she's you know so start earlier if you think that that's where your child learns best um or, you know, sometimes my kids the night before, my other two typical runners are like, can we get a head start on tomorrow? Can we sit down at the table when we have mm-hmm. your undivided attention and work on the math before the next day? You know, you just have to make it your own how it works best for your kiddos. Yeah. And that's about, that's, that's why we're talking about uniqueness. I mean, these ladies are giving you a lot of suggestions, but I want you to be, mm-hmm. be able to say, yes, this will help us or no, that will not at all. Because <laughs> it's right. going to be unique. It's going to. It's not going to look like everybody else, and that's okay. I mean, school for us starts at about one o'clock in the afternoon because I have one seventeen-year-old now that I'm homeschooling, and uh, I'm not going to drag her out of bed because that's not. She's not going to learn. So right. yeah, we might as well do school later. Um, but it hasn't always been that way too. And you know, these ladies will attest to that as our kids change, and we have to be willing to be flexible with that as well. Yeah, puberty and hormones, they need more sleep. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so true. So um, it looks like uh, six o'clock is dinner time. So um, so we'll have to think of, you know, if the time before that better or time after that. It seems like I think both you ladies have pretty busy Sundays. So maybe a time after that or a different day of the week. Um, if you have a suggestion, Creative Minds Homeschooling for um, another day of the week that um, these ladies can can think over too and discuss uh, can, there too. But we'd love the rest of your feedback too. Um, so I know we talked a little bit about this um, inquisitiveness or lifelong learning. Um, what do you suggest parents do to cultivate that and help their children to be more discovery oriented versus always just the instruction because in the short term we want them to learn the facts we want to to help fill the gaps but in the long term we want them to continue learning so what would you suggest um, to cultivate that within their learning environment i think uh big part of it is see where they're bending and where their um where their talents and where they're you know what they're interested in um but I know Amy has talked about before her son does really great 
uh, at uh, building things. And if he can start out the beginning of the day building things, he does better. So sometimes just um, giving them the tools, like we're studying um, geography this year, and I found at the Dollar Tree, like all the different like landmarks around uh, the world that they could build the Legos with. And just like getting that building in, getting that, um, uh, I have some circuits and we're going to work on those sometimes. Just so just and. Just getting that hands-on. Um, we're going to talk about um, geologists and excavators. This, you know, how people go and they excavate the ground and whatnot. So um, we're going to do some excavating and just um, taking them if they like to go study about marine biology. Take them to places like SeaWorld and see what they, you know, what the next level might be for them. Um, so just. Uh, Field trips are a great way to, for them mm-hmm. to see the learning beyond the classroom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Amy, do you have anything to add to that? So, yeah, um, she, that was that was really great. And, you know, the, yeah, it, let me get my words here. <laughs> so, w- what we do now, because my son is an independent reader, is I have my my things that he has to do for me. Mm. And then he gets to fill his time with his interests. And Mm. I kind of started doing this last year because he wasn't quite moving into chapter books and I wanted him to move into chapter books. And so um, I just started buying books that I thought would interest him. And I started out reading to him Mm-hmm. And we read like one book together and we started reading the second one. And then I got busy <laughs> As we all and did. I didn't have time to get, and he was like, we got to read this book. I was like, well, why don't you try? Why don't you mm-hmm. just try? He ended up reading over a hundred chapter books last year. Wow. And he just, in he would, just, when he would finish a series, I would just, I would find something in, you know, something else that he would mm-hmm. be interested in. And sometimes he would just kind of, he would be like, no, I'm not ready for those. And he, he wouldn't go to him yet. And I would just leave him out. And within a couple of months, he would come back to him. And so he went from reading very basic chapter books to reading like, um, so some, some pretty, some pretty hefty chapter books by the end of it. But that was it. But I just kept putting things in front of him that he was interested Mm -hmm. in. Mm. And just, or that I thought would interest him and, or, you know, I'd be like, Hey, you know, let's watch this movie together. And it was a movie that I had a book on. And so uh-huh. I could get him interested that way. Uh-huh. Um, I found that audiobooks have been a great way to mm, get him interested. Yeah. <clears throat> we listened to the Chronicles of Narnia. We've listened to um, story of the world. We listened to that in the car. Mm. And all of a sudden I look at over, he's got the, the whole, you know, the, the anthology, you know, going through the whole <laughs> stack of them. And I'm just <laughs> as uh, reading those. And so mm. when I couldn't get him interested in it other ways, you know, that I used audiobooks, I used videos and things like that to, to kind of hook him and bring him in. And I was going to say, you're he hooking started, him in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, but I didn't make rereading required because I knew it was hard for him um, because he we had gone through vision issues for two years and his his visual tracking was low and there were some other challenges with it and I just I was like yeah, it's okay you know when you're ready you're gonna do it and then all of a sudden it just all started to click mm. and he and he went into it but it's because I didn't push it and this I'm doing the same thing with writing now you know I haven't pushed writing which is really hard for him um, mm. we do handwriting and I use um, building writers from learning without tears because it's independent. He can go through it pretty independently. I can help him if he needs it, but most of the time he can do it independently. And so we're just working on those and Mm. it's just starting to click. And he, he's actually, he sat down and wrote some things out the other day and I was like, Oh, cool. Um, We're using a typing program that teaches spelling and that's been helping Mm. him with that spelling because me trying to teach him spelling, we were just butting heads. And right. it wasn't enjoyable for either one of us, even though it was a great program. It was multi-sensory. It was everything that it should have been. Right. It wasn't for him. Mm, that's and a so, really good point. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just have to think out of the box. And so this doesn't feel like spelling because he's learning to type, which is something he wanted to do. But it's working uh, on his spelling and his phonics uh-huh. skills at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah. It's, and again, it's, it's finding that unique twist and, and even just, I'm, I'm pretty sure your younger one is going to learn differently, <laughs> which I was right. challenging too. Yeah. He, he's my, he's my computer hacker. He's hacked my passcode on my phone and my fire stick. So, and now, and now I have the brilliant idea to let him learn coding. Oh yes, that'll help. <laughs> I think, he, I think, I think you should take it with him. So, so yeah, you can you can keep up with him. <laughs> uh, so, I got a question from one of our viewers. Lisa said, "How do you even handle getting motivated when I'm getting a lot of behaviors from my son? I think even though the work is necessary, he doesn't want to do it, or he struggles with neuro fatigue, brain fog, and so." I know these play a part, but I'm not requiring much at all. Just a little bit of the basics at lower grade to achieve, suggest, and build confidence. So motivation. So sounds like she's on the right track. I would maybe set a time, either a time or a set amount that he's required to do. Some kids deal better with like a set time and they know once that time is up, then they, they are done, whether they get mm-hmm. one problem do- done or five problems done. And then the next time they come back to it, they come back and pick up back up where they left off. Um, there's a lot of, um, the lot can be said for um, repetition over, you know, qu- quality over quantity. Mm. You know, getting five minutes in of, of direct instruction and that, that, that really good, lesson in is so much more meaningful than mm-hmm. sitting for an hour and struggling over it. Right. Right. And so, um, I think you're, I think you're on the right track with what you're, what you're doing, Lisa. I think that, um, incorporating more interests. What is he interested in? Does he like to cook? Does he like to build? Does he like, you know, what can you build into what you're doing to help raise that interest? Um, mm. I know like right shop has some great, writing prompts and some story prompts and things like that, that are really interesting. And, um, you know, if physically writing is an issue, then you can always have them do voice to text using, um, Mm. Google docs or using pages on the iPad. Right. Yeah. And so those are always great Mm -hmm. tools and there's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's still writing. It's still getting your thoughts out. It's still getting your story out. That's a good point. Yeah. So Don. Like, you know, I know when something is really hard for my daughter, um, I pick a game, like mm-hmm. Connect Four. We do a few problems, then we play the game. Then we do a few problems, then we play the game. So she knows that if I get through this, mm-hmm. then I get this. But he's it's older. Reward-based, but yeah. 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 Reward-based. And I mean, I don't know what his, you know, level is, but... Um, <laughs> giving them something that is, um, you know, encouraging for them because some kids aren't encouraged by the same thing or teach this skill through a game if they like games or, you know, say, hey, we get this done, then then what what are we working for today? I mean, as adults, we work for paychecks. We work for a lot yeah. of things. I I get up in the morning because I know I'm going to have my coffee. So, you know, <laughs> that's my reward for getting up in the morning. So um, how our kids, our kids are, are, you know, are the same. Like you get this done, then this is, you know, I, um, I think because a lot of times what I notice in the classroom and in my house is when there's a frustration, when there's a skill that's harder, you are going to be have hip behaviors because they're, it's their way of pushing back because they, you know, learning hurts sometimes. Our brains, especially when you have special needs. I mean, my daughter will tell you, she's like, I'm just tired. I don't want to do it anymore. My brain hurts. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that it does because she has to work much harder than other people do. And I have to, you know, I want to make sure that I acknowledge that and realize that, yeah. And so, you know, if, coloring a picture is really what she wants to work for, then we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if something is you're doing that's not working, then just change it up in, in order to, to make it work. Maybe you fold the page in half and all he sees is half of the page so it doesn't seem so overwhelming. 
Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey, this is all we got to do. And then it's like, sometimes that's just like that breath of fresh air. Like, okay, I could get that many done. Or like take a whole page and X out a bunch of them. So they, they're like, hey, she took off half the page. And then they're, they're like excited because mom took the red pen and marked them all. You know, so just do things that will make them go, hey, okay, this is not so bad. I can make through I can make through this. Mm-hmm. And if he's getting really fatigued, I would, I would look at how you're approaching the course, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the material. Is there a way that you could do it that's less fatiguing on him? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so is giving the answers verbally easier than writing them out? Is him, it, it, maybe it's too much for him to have to think through it and think through the writing process mm-hmm. to write, to work through the problems. Whereas if he can tell you, write down this, 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 do, and carry, and he can walk you through the steps and you're the actually writing, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, not having to actually hold the pen and do the writing is enough to alleviate some of that fatigue and that brain fog. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the, you know, things like the text, the voice to text and things like that come in handy with writing. Because sometimes it's just the, the physical act of writing those letters is too challenging for them to get their story out. But when they can do voice to text, they can write these wonderful stories and these wonderful papers. Mm. Um, where, and, and then they can work on the physical act of writing through handwriting books. And they've got some great handwriting books out there, including like knock knock jokes and superhero mm. comic stuff. And I mean, just all kinds of cool stuff. So, you know, you can separate out the skills and just focus on one skill Hmm. if working on more than one skill is just fatiguing and exhausting on him. Yeah. I know when my daughter was first learning how to do math, coming up with how to form the numbers was a lot, was too much for her. So she could tell me that two plus two equals four, then I would put the stamp and then she could just trace the number. Because I wasn't really looking at, you know, so just kind of changing that up so that your expectation, what are you looking at? What what part of this are you really wanting to achieve? Like a, a story problem. Sometimes our kid just needed for us to read the story problem because I'm, I'm not grading whether they're, they can read it. I want to know if they know how to work the problem. So also think about what you're focusing on and what your end goal is. Hmm. For, for my for my son with story problems is actually having to set up the problem he can tell you what to do but having to write the numbers where they're legible and mm-hmm. readable and so a lot of times i i will set up you know we talk about we go through the story problems and i ask him what are you supposed to do and i write out the problem for him to solve because the physical act of writing it was too much now mm, i right. notice he's doing them on his own Huh, so we've awesome. made some progress. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's again, back to what you guys started on in the beginning, you know, is making them be successful and what, what you know, helps do they need. And it's, it's not like you're doing the work for them. You're just gradually getting them to that place of where they can right. do it independently. And um, too often we want, to, we want them to make that leap. And a lot of curriculum does it because most kids can, they can, you know, fudge their way through to that point. But when they struggle, that's, that's a big leap. Well, and these are all accommodations that they would have in public school. Mm -hmm. And I think as parents, sometimes we have higher expectations of ourselves that we feel like it's, it's cheating. It's, it's doing too much for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the, um, the, I'm sorry. Um, Somebody just put up a comment, Peggy, that was yes, really I great. Yes, I know. <laughs> it made me kind of like giggle too. My son seems allergic to his pencil. Uh, maybe we'll try a pen. I, I don't I know. Think, maybe it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that is a great suggestion. You know, I always give I always give my my kids you know a choice of what implement to use. If it's markers, you know, glitter crayon, you know, pencil, mm-hmm. what whatever, because you know some kids don't like the feel of a pencil. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I can't, I don't like using it's yellow like pencils. Backwards. Yeah. 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 Oh. I don't like using yellow pencils. I'll use a mechanical pencil all day long, but mm-hmm. I do not like using a standard ba- yellow pencil. I just, I, I don't know where my kids got their sensory issues from. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 and Don and I are laughing because we're saying the same thing in our head. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> I have no idea. Uh, you have no idea, no. <laughs> well, Lisa says, um, thank you both so much. Such great suggestions. And our hour is up already. Okay, so you guys can now see why I love these ladies. They are just chock full of just joy and fun and, and so much wisdom. And I just really, really encourage you to, to connect with them. Um, I'm Amy, I'm going to bring up your website. Amy's website is exceptionalheights.com. And I know the, the link will be in the feed of the, the YouTube video as well. And, and then if you want to take advantage of their, their mentoring group, that they'll, they'll respond to those, those questions on a daily basis that go into that mentoring group. Or if you want to take part in their monthly webinars, which it looks like we may change the time. Um, I know um, Creative um, Homeschooling suggested maybe seven or eight o'clock versus six o'clock, the dinner hour. So we'll, we'll have a chat um, and put that in. But if, if you join the, um, the parent group, we'll make an announcement about that. Or you can just um, um, watch those webinars and see how the time changes or if we change a day of the week. So um, be watching for that. But, um, but if you're listening to the podcast, it's empoweredhomeschool.org uh, if you want to look at that too. And the link, again, is in the YouTube video. So um, thank you so much, ladies. I, like I said, we could continue talking for hours. You two have so much to, to share. Um, so in Creative Minds Homeschooling Finish, she said, okay, he's allergic to all writing tools. <laughs> 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 oh so yes that voice to text might be the best thing for you right. I, I was i was thinking paintbrush and paint oh well that might work too or <laughs> See, finger I salt. Walk. or salt i'm still finding beans from our sensory bin <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to get involved in this monthly conversation, make sure you check out their webinar and um, <laughs> and um, just keep digging in. And really, I do encourage you, bring your curriculum, bring assignments that your kids are working on and say, what is going on here? How do we fix this? You're going to be live with them, not live on, you know, a public place, but um but on a, a Zoom meeting where you can see them, they can see you. It'll be a whole group discussion. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. Well, as you can probably tell, you, you've met them, Don and Amy now, so you know they're a lot of fun. Um, but, but thank you both for just your time tonight and for sharing and just the hearts you have to mentor women and, well, homeschooling families just with their, their struggling learners. Well, thanks for having us. Yes, definitely. Thank you. You are welcome. And um, the, the more I can push people to you, the less will call me at the office and say, can you? And I'm like, no, I really can't. <laughs> so, so don't call the number on our website unless you have a question about the website, because um, otherwise I'm just going to send you to Don or Amy or one of our other homeschool consultants <laughs> because <laughs> they have the answers. I don't. I, I survived my children. Um so, so yeah, so thank you ladies for just inspiring us tonight and um, for all the wisdom that you had to share. And I want to thank our audience for joining us on this very impromptu episode. We decided last night that we were going to change the date and time because our guest for Tuesday um, wasn't getting back to me. So I didn't want to have nothing. Um, so, so this, um, this has been a lot of fun. And I also want to thank Bookshark for um, sponsoring this episode. And remember to visit their website at bookshark.com to check out their resources and see if they're a good fit for teaching your struggling learner. So next week, so a week from Tuesday, we're sticking to this same theme. And um, we're going to be talking about how challenges in creativity increase student success. So we're going to kind of be bridging off some of the things that we've talked about here tonight. Um, and, and so I encourage you to come back for that. And I hope you can join me then. But in the meantime, make sure you stay connected with us on our website at spedhomeschool.com and with our new learning platform and community platform. Um, you can actually join our, our general community also on empoweredhomeschool.org. And also don't forget to visit, um, visit um, Amy's website at... Um, exceptionalheights.com. Yes, I've got all these things going through my head. Um, and also Amy and um, and Don's webinars. So, um, so yeah. So thank you again, ladies. And um, 
I'll be talking to them. <laughs> but um, but definitely check them out and connect with them next month for, for their webinar. And we'll see you back here next week. So bye, everybody. <laughs>